Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Luke here. So I'm just going to start off by updating you with, well, there's only really one thing that would interest you, the audience. I mean, there's always loads of stuff going on, but I don't want to bore you with the inner, inner workings of our business and stuff like that. But the only thing that really that you want to be interested in is we just finished putting together the phrases. The Well, we're, we're thinking about what to call the deck. I just call them phrases at the moment. But they are what I originally found on, it was a, it was a, a website for, I believe, Czech, to learn Czech. This guy, Anthony Lauder, came up with something called Conversation Connectors. And we did used to give away a small Anki deck with automated audio. Um, that basically, well, let me explain what they are. So conversation connectors are phrases that you can use either at the beginning, the middle, or the end of your speech in Chinese, or just standalone phrases that sort of connect the conversation together. And they're sort of, rather than everything else that we sort of teach you where it's more of a sort of mass exposure and you gradually pick things up and you understand pretty much everything you read, what we were doing with these is they're very top down. They might contain characters you don't know, but learn these phrases. And they're things like, well, the only thing left to do is, or, uh, well, the thing about that is, or, well, that's what he told me anyway. You know, things like that. I don't know. That Maybe that's, they're not great examples, but things that we all say all the time without even realizing it. And even in our own native language, they're used to give ourselves a little bit of extra time to think of the next thing to say. And it sounds really natural. And they're just perfect for fluency. So if you're not, you know, like like most people, I guess, if you're like sort of struggling to get to that fluency level, and maybe you find it difficult to speak, I mean, we all do, right? And on occasion, at least, then you can throw out a few of these conversation connectors. And we might, we're thinking about calling them something else. But I think that that's an awesome word, to be honest. And we're actually, so right, but anyway, the point is, I've made a list of these. And we've got Jerry to come in and do the audio, the same guy from our, the, the mail from our flashcards. And they sound incredible, you know, 420 phrases. There's too much, to be honest. <laughs> like, no one, we don't really need that many. But I just, I just found this huge list. I paid a translator to translate this huge list of phrases. I threw out the ones that aren't really useful or that are kind of rep repetitions. And we've got Jerry to record them. And we've put them together now into an Anki deck. And the Anki deck's ready. And I said I'd get it ready before June the 1st. I, I replied to one of our clients on Facebook actually about that recently. So it's ready to go. But what we wanted to do with it was introduce the conversation connectors as another layer to the course. Now I know we're trying to expand the course and we, you know, we don't want to throw another spanner in the works. It's going to delay that even more. But I just think it would be really cool. I mean, I can give you guys the Anki deck if, and, and I'd be happy to listen to you guys' uh, suggestions on that. Do you want to just have the Anki deck right now? Or would you like us to sort of spend the extra time, maybe another month or so, implementing it into the course? So you actually unlock these phrases once you understand pretty much all of the characters within each phrase. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking the former. At the moment, we just release the Anki deck to all of you as sort of a bonus, or we put it somewhere within the course. 
um, and we send an email just for you guys, just you listeners and you, you people that are on the course and you can download it straight away and you can start using it as sort of a, a really heavily top-down way because again, a lot of the characters and words you wouldn't understand in them or you wouldn't maybe have learned yet but they're just so useful and so almost all of them are spoken. Some of them are written, like formal um, but they're just so great and uh, I kind of want to do that. I think I think that's what we'll do but I want to hear you guys' uh, opinion on that so let me know by email or by a, 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 some sort of comment on the on the on the podcast actual post here. So yeah, so I think I think what we'll, I'm sort of leaning towards is I'll just announce it to everyone like I said I would, and here download this 100 megabyte file, this Anki deck with all these awesome phrases, and then once we've expanded the course or at the same time we will create a new level or a new layer. So you know at the moment we have like. Uh, we have conversation. Uh, no, sorry, that's what I'm talking about. We have uh, conversations. We have uh, short stories. We have opinions, um, and we have full stories. And you unlock these as you go, and paragraphs, of course. Um, so this is going to be, you know, conversation connected. It's going to be a new layer to that. It's going to be a new thing you unlock. I think that'd be really cool. But we can't do everything at once. And I did say I'd release it, so I think we'll do that. But uh, let's hear what you guys think. We have, I said this last time, we have tons of comments though this time. So I don't want to blabber on too much about other stuff. I want to sort of just jump straight into it. So that's what we'll do. So as usual, we're going to go through, you know, it's not your traditional podcast. Anyone who's listening for the first time, a lot of it is directly related or most of it is, is just answering questions and comments from our clients and people that are on the course, both the free pronunciation course and the paid subscription course as well. And we're going to start off by talking about props. And again, if you don't know what props are, actors are, sets are, there's a link just below the title in the, in the show notes for these uh, podcasts that will, just, that will tell you everything you need to know about it. Okay, so first we have here uh, William Edmedes with the prop for Xiang, which means a few things. But um, I guess here, I don't have the definition in front of me, but I guess it means each other or sort of um, mutually, like Xiang Hu, Hu Xiang. Or and he's chosen yin yang for this yin yang the, the yin yang symbol which works really well this is one of those things where it has to be a physical object right so I, I used to have a key ring of that so i would imagine a giant version of that metal yin yang that i can actually touch really good another one from william it's prop for he which is a sort of wheat and uh it's a very rare character it's hardly used alone at all but it's Again, more of a component in other characters. He's chosen a giant piece of Weetabix. William, you must be British. Uh, Weetabix, breakfast of champions. Again, it's made of made of wheat, obviously. Brilliant. And uh, Jennifer Kosh on pick a prop for Xiong, uh, as in older brother. She says, I'll use Thor's hammer, Molnir, Molnir, as a prop for Xiong. In the Marvel movies, he is the older brother to Loki. So I think this will work pretty well. What do you think? Well, I, I, I answered to Jennifer, like, why not just Thor himself? Unless that, that's, he's already an actor. Because it's, it's one step removed. Now, there's no big problem. I mean, again, we always just say these things as general guidelines, as I always say. But I'd say, yeah, one degree of separation is, is, is unnecessary. You, I'm sure you could find an older brother himself you can use the older brother himself. If, if you're already using Thor for something, maybe choose a different older brother, Bart Simpson or whatever. 
but either way is fine. Next prop is from Ija Amrahi on pick a prop for Zol, meaning meaning to leave or to walk. I guess walk would be slightly more common. Uh, she's chosen a three strap boot, and she's given the link there if you want to know what that looks like. But that's going to be fine because that's pretty much directly related to walk, isn't it? So excellent. And uh, another one on the prop for day, which means a couple of things it can mean to stay. It could also mean dumb, and that's funny because it's. Usually when you have a character with two very different definitions, it's usually uh, the two definitions have a different pronunciation. But Dai is one of those interesting ones where it's, it's very versatile. She picked Walter, Jeff Dunham's puppet, because one of his fav favorite phrases is dumb ass. And he has a potty mouth. The character itself looks like there's something in the middle of a person too, the ventriloquist hand. Very interesting. Yeah, it's got this, this sort of line that goes through the middle. And it does kind of look like a little person, a little wooden person. Perfect. Yeah, actually really good. And pick a prop for Cloud, Yuin. Goku's flying Nimbus. We had a lot of Dragon Ball Z stuff recently. It's awesome. The, the flying Nimbus is the little cloud that Goku can fly on. I shouldn't know that. And prop for Zhu, meaning sort of uh, master or lord, if you like. Master Shufu or Master Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda. I picked the latter. Master Ugwe, the big um, turtle. Good, nice one. Excellent. And uh, prop for Tu, meaning soil, a cross on a grave, those big sort of stone crosses. Very nice. The prop for Jan, as in to occupy. Now, this is another, it's a very abstract meaning. And again, we like to say, how can you, what's the first thing you think of when you think of that meaning? And Jan is into Occupy. We've got Knight Chess Piece is another one that I like. Very good. Very good indeed. It's like a big version of like that horse sort of chess piece. And pick a prop for Nay is in Inside. Another abstract uh, meaning. It's like how can you make the abstract real, tangible, a 3D object or person or animal or whatever? She's gone with Sadness from Inside Out. Fantastic. Will Henry on pick a prop for Yun, again, the cloud. He said, oh, I remember this one. After trying to create a few scenes using that floating cloud that would pull your car back on the track from Mario Kart, I decided just to start filling my scenes with smoke or fog. This atmosphere builds a lot of tension in my stories and oftentimes provides motivation for my characters to do something out of the ordinary with the props. I really like your thinking behind this, Will. Um, and I was in the first thing that came to mind though was hang on what if because Yun is not always on the left or the right or it's, it's sometimes on the bottom sometimes on the left sometimes on the right um, how do you show positioning with just fog I wonder maybe it's like a fog machine and or they, the fog clearly comes from one side or from below or from you, you know what I mean so but I'm sure you've already figured that out in your head just doesn't seem clear from the, the description here but I, that's absolutely fine usually we say for that reason, for the positioning issue, we usually say a, a sort of fixed, tangible object, relatively fixed. You know, it can change in size and maybe even color, but uh, generally it's identifiable and you can pick it up and interact with it solidly. But again, only guidelines. So good. Uh, I like your improvisation there. I wonder why you changed it though. Was it was it not working? 
Maybe just want to change it up. Another thing just to remember for other people is changing your, this is really tempting to do as well. This is why we, we put so much time into telling you guys, uh, carefully walking you through uh, and you know go with your first instinct and stick with it. Because um, if you end up, you know, it's okay to change a few things here and there, but if you're not making that habit, you can imagine it's going to get very confusing. So you try and think of your six month later self, you know, um, think of yourself, oh, what, what, what's that Mario Kart cloud compared to that fog? Like you might forget which one's which or that one means anything. Um, you might be fine now, but what about six months later or a year later? I still use these, by the way. I did, I did this almost, this is like four years ago now or longer, or five years ago. And I still use this technique. I still go back and re revisit my old stories to try and remember characters especially for writing them, you know, because that's one of the first things that fades away if you don't review. Um, so, yeah, and I, I still go back to, you know, Jennifer Aniston in the kitchen or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, just something to think about. Uh, Natalie Devia or Devia on pick a prop for Xiong again. I do not have an older brother, but my mum does. She's gone for her mother's brother. Nice. And you might, um, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but what about if Jill, as in Jill Jill, your mum's brother, your uncle, which is also going to be a prop way later on, maybe in the next round, actually, that we expand on. But oh, what, what about then? Well, Natalie can just come up with another uncle that will be that. <laughs> you know, it's no big deal. Julian Laffey for uh, pick a prop for um, uh, Xiao, I believe. Oh, man, that's a, another quite rare character. Uh, Xiao, Xiao Shun. Yeah. She chose he chose uh, Lisa Simpson. Very good choice. She's very uh, Xiao Shun. So filial piety or obedience. Excellent. Um Tom on pick a prop for Cole. The Cheshire cat. So Cole's mouth, and we just got to choose someone with a big mouth or someone that's you know, like I don't know, I don't want to get sued or anything, but Mick Jagger. I mean, we always use Mick Jagger as like an example. Tom on pick a prop for, oh, yeah, it's exactly the same. <laughs> so rereading that one. William again on uh, prop for tool, as in soil. He's gone for the cube soil from Minecraft. Excellent. I really like when people use computer games because it's a good way of making what feels like often a waste of time into something that's useful. Because, and you know, there's some, there's some real stuff we can explore there with computer games. And again, it's probably going to fall on deaf ears to those who don't care about computer games or anything. And I'm trying to wean myself off them because it is, in my mind, a waste of time. I, it, it is. You know, it's good to relax and stuff, but you can, I can easily go overboard with them. And finding stuff from the, what you're in, you enjoy, the, the, whatever media it is, whether it's movies, computer games, comics, and utilizing that in your mind. You know, what, what, what do you like? What do you love? What do you spend your time uh, entertaining yourself with? Use that in your stories. Cube soil from Minecraft. Nice. Ryan Smith on pick a prop for Bao, as into a uh, report or a newspaper, it could be. Uh, Hogwarts letter with its H wax seal. Heavy parchment envelope, lots of senses going on there. And distinctive crest works great as a prop that stands out for this. Well done. So next we have Ryan Smith for pick a prop for Yuan, which uh, it's, well, I guess it kind of represents a couple of things. But what we went for is beginning. In Gongyuan, like um, BC, you know, a light tree from drag racing, the vertical bank of lights that count down 
to the launch for drag racing. It's a great representation of beginning. Ryan Smith, again, on pick a prop for WAN, which means to finish. So this is great. I love it. I love when this happens. And this often happens because of the way we've structured the character order, or Oclo. The, the character order is, is structured around not just the, like to introduce the most amount of words to you, to unlock the most amount of new words, but also to, uh, to group the components together, the props. So once you learn a prop, you, you, we make sure that you use it at least once or twice. Sometimes you use it a bunch of times. And what that means is, similar to Heisig's method, this is what we based it on, you'll learn, you'll learn one thing like UN, like we just, like that, that component, and then you'll learn a bunch of, you'll combine it with a bunch of other components. Uh, so they often end up, to, the, the scenes themselves end up relating to each other. And because of that issue, you also have uh, actors being used over and over again in a row because the, the when the components are similar, the pronunciation is also similar. So you're either in the same set or the same using the same actor or both. And that's quite cool. So you can just sort of relate, relate a stream of scenes together in some way. Like there are a series of, uh, like, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. So Brian Smith has done that here. So previously he chose that starting lights, and for Wan it uses Yuan as a prop in that character. But they we're also asking you to chunk that together for a new prop. So Wan as a whole. So he's and that means to finish. So he's chosen the checkered flag in racing that symbolizes finishing. Brilliant. And that, that will happen naturally for a lot of you. It sounds like, oh, this is really complicated. No, it will just be a natural thing, as I'm sure it was to uh, Ryan. So that's all the props we have for today. It's, it's a lot more than usual, which I really like. We've got people are really starting to help help each other out and and just making it so much easier for future clients, for future users. It's, it's brilliant. And it's exactly what we were sort of, gambling on we, we were we put so much of hey comment below comment below in the videos and we didn't know how much people would want to comment or if you know uh you know it, it, but it's just been great it's, it's it's great to see this so keep it up guys really and if, if anyone's listening that hasn't shared anything yet one line you know one suggestion uh if you think you've got something unique or just doesn't have to be unique just uh something that works really well for you comment below any video on the course and tell us why or just comment you know people really need that inspiration uh okay so actors uh ej imrahi on casting call for jewel so it's a u so it should be a fictional for with a j sort of sound uh or yeah pepper pig uh, that's close enough you know pepper pig this is written the chinese as well xiao zhu pei xi pepper pepper pig i like that very nice um Oh, Jewel, ah, maybe that's Jewel because Jewel is pig. I don't know what you're thinking there, Ija, but I like it. Um, casting call for Tool, and then another, another fictional actor with a T. She's, uh, Ija's given us a bunch of new, new suggestions. Tony the Tiger, Tintin. It's what my Chinese friends call me, actually, before I started really going bold and shaving my head. Timmy Turner, Fairly Odd Parents, brilliant. Tom, Tom and Jerry, Thomas the Tank Engine. Ija always, uh, she's going to be our expert uh, fictional character um, sort of participant. She, she's uh, given us so many good suggestions so far. Uh, Chad on casting call for Su, so another fictional. Xiaofeng, or Xiaofeng, I don't know how that's, what the tones are there. Ling Gung Xin's character in the movie, Swordmaster, brilliant. Chad is always giving us really good 
kung fu movie kung fu uh, and chinese tv show suggestions uh cast a call for wu wally so it's another fictional with a wu sound brilliant uh jay anderson on casting call for zhu another fictional they're all fictional today this is it actually Zapod Beeblebrox from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And in brackets, we've got the the original BBC production, not the terrible 2005 movie. Thanks for clarifying that. Big difference. And ne- that's it. That's it actually for um, actors for this week. Let's jump into movies. So this is sort of our, I guess, our favorite bit because this is where it all comes together. So for movies, the first one we've got is from Tom on Make a Movie for Tom, which I believe is like one of the, first batch of characters so let's see how tom does i chose my secondary school as my set for ong and the entry of the reception as the second tone location christopher walken introduces himself to the receptionist so that he can get a visitor's badge the receptionist tells him that he has to answer a few questions before she can let him in the school the first question she asks him is where are you from and christopher walken stands there completely baffled and in typical christopher walken voice says Shall I do it? I'm going to try. A lady? What? No, I'm not going to do it. Where do you think I'm from? <laughs> nah, I can't do a Christopher Walken, man. Everyone seems to be able to, except me. The receptionist looks up from her desk to see that he's wearing a suit made of an American flag. And behind him, there are cowboys and Indians battling it out around two giant teepees, shooting arrows and firing guns at each other. Now, I'm a huge fan of Christopher Walken, so I actually just commented on this. Um awesome scene and it is tps is what he's chosen so he hasn't gone with uh, umbrella he's gone with tps which is fine because it looks exactly like exactly the same so two tps and we've got christopher walken like from where do you think i'm from and that works even though it's pretty much all audio but the body language there and the fact that he's talking to a receptionist and that's someone that is likely to ask that question especially in a school right brilliant it would just work so well keep it up tom uh Ija on make a movie for shu as in time this is interesting um because well i'll explain so she says she used sundial to represent time so that was like her <clears throat> object that she brought in um to rep which is fine you know we usually try and say don't bring in objects unless it's re- like that aren't the props or the actor unless it's directly related to the uh keyword connection that you're trying to show the keyword through this object and even then it can still be risky you might still confuse yourself or whatever but sundial is a brilliant idea to bring in scene involved an ancient chinese stone sundial in my kitchen and sean connery was using the sun and measuring type tape to measure time now this is the reason why i said this is interesting is because this character is actually representative of a sundial you know, you have sun on the left, well, your guys' left, and inch. So that's how they represented time, by the inches the sun was moving, the shadow of the sun, right? I, and I don't think Ija actually knew this, but she's sort of just instinctively gone for that. And she chose an ancient Chinese stone sundial as well, which is just even more tiao, uh, coincidental. Uh, another one from Ija is on make a movie for me, as in, well, it could mean either rice or meter. It's the most common uh, meanings. Mariah Carey, her personal nickname is Mimi, so that sort of connects more to the pronunciation, is in my bedroom wanting to re-record the music video for All I Want for Christmas is You. She already had the reindeer antlers 
on that would be the horns i guess on top of the christmas tree but since my home is in southeast asia there's no snow we had to toss rice around to mimic snow that's so good that's so good that's all i can say to that and you got like the music in there as well just to spice it all up brilliant can't think of anything better but let's see if you can beat it guys listening uh Ija on make a movie for day are you uh, you know again we're going back here so we've got we've got the prop from earlier uh that was after the movie so let's see what she did to actually learn it's just made up of mouth and tree i used the song dumb ways to die as the soundtrack for this movie so she didn't actually describe the movie but she's saying one of the meanings for this is dumb and she's chosen that idea uh for as like a, a theme tune for this and dumb ways to die is a very cute and interesting so i think it was a thing done by it was in australia originally for preventing train accidents like people uh getting injured on train tracks and it's just a really catchy tune and i i listened to it like t once like a year or two ago and i still remember it so brilliant another example of good sort of theme tune to add into the background uh jody palm make a movie for ban as in half i'm in japan so an as the as the set location using that word to connect with it uh, i imagine it's like an apartment or some sort of other location in japan somewhere that she knows my nephew ben as in b b is standing in the bathroom holding a large syringe and the devil is trying to grab the syringe. I throw the razor blade at the devil and it cuts his horns off. He feels like half a devil now. And I guess he's showing that with his sort of, maybe he, he looks a bit emasculated or sad. Uh, ben, ben is mad at the devil and sticks him with a syringe that is filled with a liquid that shrinks the devil to half his size. So I, that's a good idea, Jody, you're sort of doing uh sort of running the idea into the ground a bit you know so don't just show the meaning once show it twice just for good measure or even three times you know show it in different ways if you can don't don't strain yourself to do that guys but um that's brilliant in case one because you know it's just sort of a if if it comes to you easily and you can sort of show it in a different way it, it's it's a good it's like insurance against forgetting it in anki later so brilliant um make a movie for t as in to raise a question or to sort of carry something at your side here. Uh, words are out in the, EJ, you, you, you should be, are you some sort of writer? Very, very interesting uh, scenes. I like the way you write them. Uh, words are out in the street that Shakespeare is currently taking questions in my kitchen from people from the 21st century. Shakespeare would be, oh, the sh. Yeah, so this is an idea that we had for sh, as in to be. That, that's, again, it's an abstract meaning. Sure, as a prop, we thought to be or not to be. So have Shakespeare or Hamlet or a skull, you know. Anyway, uh, Shakespeare's taking questions. Uh, he who hasn't had any interviews in almost four hundred years was very excited to interest to uh, to share his insights in the English language and literature. A big crowd started to form. Tina Turner tried to grab his attention by wave. Tina Turner's the, the T.I. By the way, T. Uh, tried to grab his attention by waving the giant foam finger, which is the left side component. She then she <laughs> then asked cheekily, sorry to bring this up, but if I have to carry just one pencil around, should it be... <laughs> sorry. Should it be to be or not to be? 
I don't know why that's so funny. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> so you've got, uh, he just just doesn't even need, she's just doing stuff she doesn't even need to. I just love that idea of she's just sitting there adding jokes into her scenes that are completely unnecessary. <laughs> but uh, just for the entertainment of myself and others, it's brilliant. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I've got a weakness for, for puns. So funny. <laughs> All right. Let's collect myself here. So Ryan Smith on Make a Movie for Duh. This, this, that's what's the meaning of the, sorry. That's the meaning of the character. It's, uh, this is a pretty abstract concept. So to conceptualize it, I'm envisioning the bathroom of my E set with a large number of roads going through it. Okay, so there's a large number of roads in your bathroom. The Queen of England keeps picking a road to walk down, but my uncle Jay, that's the ZH component, uh, uh, initial, keeps repositioning her to walk down the road he's on, i.e. this road is what he's trying to tell her. To cement the meaning, she picks a random road wrong multiple times, and he keeps trying to get her to walk down this road that he's in, and, and of course, gestures, body language, facial, you know, this one, that would be very, very um, important in this sort of abstract scene. So I guess, yeah, obviously the, the, the when component, meaning culture or literature must be, rep the queen must represent that. I'm not sure exactly. It kind of works for me, but I'm sure Ryan, as long as it works for Ryan, that's all good. Um, brilliant. Yeah, very simple. And, you know, you don't need these elaborate, crazy things going on in fact as we always say keep it simple not only does that make it easier it's actually easier to remember when it's just a simple two people interacting in a human way and maybe a slightly humorous way or a weird way fine but just normal down to earth that believe it or not that is where as long as it has emotional content in it you know a confused old queen trying to figure out which road and he's sort of guide gently guiding her on which one it's it's a, you know that's that's what really uh, brings the memories to life and that's not that's not what we originally were doing actually when we started out teaching this we were always just like no imagine you know people are exploding and 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 killing each other and they're naked <laughs> not because we're weirdos but because that's how you start off that's how like novices do this stuff um or at least think they should do it but the real pros at this the real pros they use human interaction emotions real emotions and maybe they spice it up a little bit you know here and there and maybe it's a bit weird and, and definitely not something you'd find in real life but it's not fanciful to the point where your brain won't believe it you know uh, that's what really works for these guys and we're talking when i say these guys i mean like the memory champions or the memory athletes of the world okay so the next one is from william edmides and i had to read this a couple of times to be like to, to figure out what he meant but then I remembered the previous podcast, so I'll link. I'll uh, explain it for you guys if you don't get it. So William said uh, to make a movie for Jong, which means kind or type of, which is very abstract. And his props are Weetabix, giant Weetabix, which we've already established, and a dartboard. So they're the two props. Dartboard is Jong middle, right? Works. Uh, and he said, going off what Ryan said. So what Ryan said, if you look at the comment on this character. Ryan, he's sort of type or kind, you know, it, it's very abstract. So he's sort of gone with typewriters, typewriters, typing. 
So it's a way of representing it. And we don't suggest doing that for everything. Like, again, we want to keep it no as few degrees of separation from the actual meaning as possible. But if you really can't think of anything else, fine, you know. Uh, we did a similar thing for um, a sentence, you know, sentence. We, we chose a judge sentencing someone instead of the actual, because it's so hard to imagine a sentence, you know. Anyway, you get the idea. So I'm just explaining that for you guys listening so you know what he's talking about. So, so he says, I'm having my ZH actor at my university because we have a ping pong table, that's the ONG, in the library. And he's typing furiously to trying to get this programming code to work. After some failed attempts, he gets so frustrated, he picks up the giant Weetabix and hurls it at the dartboard across the room. So yeah, type, he's typing, that's the whole thing. He's type, It's not the actual type. Um, so yeah, that works That works absolutely fine. Next one is Will Henry on Make a Movie for S, as in uh, to control or take charge of, take in charge, I think. Let's uh, double check. My S character, my supervisor, nice, is lying on the front lawn of my childhood home. A lobster claw is clamped down. That's like the sort of broken component on the side. Is clamped down on his lip. And I have to operate to remove it using only a razor blade. Nice. I know I was supposed to use a Rolling Stone's mouth. But the visual of a claw being painfully attached to his actual swollen mouth was so vivid. I'll see if the scene sticks and reshoot it if I forget the mouth radical. I like the exactly. I li That's actually something that we didn't. I don't think we really used that whole phrase because we've gone for the movie style for the, throughout the whole course, right? But I don't think we've re really used reshoot it. I can't remember at least if we have or not. That's really cool. Yeah, just reshoot the scene, right? So, oh, maybe this won't work. Maybe it will. Rather than spending, you know, minutes of your life or even tens of minutes, like, uh, painstakingly trying to create the scene if you don't have if you don't have the inspiration to do it a certain way just try it try it without try it maybe you can bend or even break the rules sometimes and if it doesn't work it doesn't work you just reshoot it and it takes seconds to reshoot it in Anki it takes a long time to explain them as you can tell and and to walk through these scenes but it takes seconds to imagine it so excellent um idea will to do that Julian Laffey on make a movie for Dua uh, a bride who says I do so a doer is a person who does something uh, it's kind of it's kind of it's hard to sort of uh, uh, sort of, sort of hard to define but um, it, it often means just a person the, the person who is doing something and he's chosen a bride because they say I do I like it works for me so again, that's sort of representing the meaning. So it's not, he hasn't gone through his whole movie here, but he's just giving an idea for keyword connections to the people who are looking at the lesson. So that's great. Make a movie for Ba. Um, so you said, Natalie Devia says, something that reminds me of the number eight is the eight ball, eight pool ball. Yeah, which I think is one of our suggestions actually, but um, yes, it's a very, very, very visual way of representing that number. And again from Natalie, make a movie for R. Captain Hook is great because he has to be with Peter Pan and Peter Pan never grew up. He's still a kid. Yeah. Excellent. Good like uh good connection there for for R, I guess. I mean, if he's with Peter Pan I mean you could just imagine Peter Pan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why Hook needs to be there, but uh again, if it if it if that's what comes to your mind first, within reason, go for it. 
uh, Julia Melnick on make a movie for shu, as in uh, like uh, knowledge. I like Nick's choice of actors. Nick, if you if you take the course, he's just uh, he he's got a lot of fans actually. Like <laughs> the people really like Nick's videos, and so do we. Um, they are some of them are a bit R-rated, <laughs> so if we want to make this. 100% suitable for young kids and stuff. We'd have to edit him out, unfortunately. But yeah, he, uh, he's got a very interesting take on uh, movies and props and stuff. The next one is from William Edmedes on make a movie for D, as in to note down or to remember something actively. Um, in a sort of meta idea for my scene for D, I'm having my female actor trying to remember her MBM scene, her make, uh, Mandarin Blueprint Method scene, for remember that's really good that is meta it's freaking me out good well done and again it just goes to show you how effective because all that would be is the female actor just showing body language showing face show, using her as we call it in the course acting skills to uh accentuate that meaning that's all you need again emotional content is is much more effective than explosions and all that other stuff so the next movie here is from uh, Chad. He's in his current home where he got engaged. That's his connection to ENG there. His actor is Fan Bingbing. The props are Demon Horns and the Bottle Opener. So that's Kai. Yeah, excellent. Fan Bingbing has fallen on hard times. Now, oh, by the way, Bing. Bing means uh, to combine. Uh, it means a few things. And we chose combine as one of it. Uh, it's, it's keyword connection because it seemed to be uh, to us to be the most tangible of the keyword meanings and it is a common usage as well um, so B fan bimbing has fallen on hard times and now has her own DIY show on HGTV where she takes everyday items combines them and tries to pawn them off as ancient Chinese decorations <laughs> she is shooting her latest episode in the backyard of my current home where she has combined a set of demon horns with an old Paps Blue Ribbon bottle opener and is now trying to pawn it off as an ancient Chinese demon ar artifact worth $10,000. Fortunately, I have Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars, P-A-W-N, to those listening, with me. He takes a look at it and shows me how she has simply combined the two items by welding them and explains that they didn't have that kind of technology in ancient China. And then he offers her... <laughs> <laughs> then he offers her five dollars for it. Ah, oh, Chad, you should be, you should actually write movies. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I think I might. I'm gonna have to name this uh, episode something like "You guys are getting it." You guys are really getting it. Some hilarious, <laughs> some hilarious uh, movies today. Michael Horn on. Michael Horn, okay, I don't know what, we've got a mistake there, obviously. Uh, Bill Shatner enters the main room of the library where I currently work, Lai AI, AI Library, and he's smoking a clay pipe, that's the uh, horizontal line, and chasing his pet Arctic fox, which represents Bai. The fox runs across the library and jumps up onto the shelf where the philosophy books are which are classified under 100 in the Dewey Decimal System. And that's something that 
would be completely useless to me as a as a, as a movie, but I was obviously very useful to Michael because I believe yes, you work in the library, so you, only my that would be again. That's why I love these movies and I love you guys' content is because. And believe it or not, this is very helpful to people reading, even if they don't work in a library, Michael, because they can they know that if they they can they can choose things that are very personal to their lives. Uh, so that would work only for you or other people that work in that specific library. Brilliant. And uh, I've got no issues at all with your scene. Ryan Smith on make a movie for zi, as in letter. Uh, a fun way for me to visualize the meaning of this in a 3D way is to imagine my Z actor, Ozzy Osbourne, and my Z prop, that means kid, kid from home alone, using their bodies to make the shapes of letters of the alphabet. I can just imagine Ozzy Osbourne doing that in his weird way. Brilliant. Excellent. All right, so that's pretty much everything related to the hands-up movie method, our character learning uh, course or technique rather uh, now we're going to move on to any questions or comments related to the pronunciation either the course itself or just general pronunciation questions so the first thing we've got here is from joshua petty on he on the simple final a quiz he says i'm confused i know you guys said that pa sounds like the a in cat though when i say father the pa sounds the same well, I can only assume in that case that, I mean, like, the reason why I chose cat, because maybe Americans say more like cat, but it's, it's very similar it's, it's to the British ah in the, in the word cat. And I'm, I'm basing it on the, the majority of our audience, which is native English speakers from, you know, uh, the UK, America, Canada, and Australia. Cat, cat, maybe not Australia. <laughs> but uh, uh, cat, yeah, I mean, pa, cat. Pa, cat. It's. It, I remember responding to Joshua just being like, "Well, it's if it's if it is different from the way we say it in English, it's the the, the difference is minute, and um, you know, I, I I can't really think. I, I mean, it sounds it sounds the same to me. And father. I mean, I don't know of any native English accent. Again, please, guys, comment and correct if I'm if I'm wrong here. But that say. Father, father, like it doesn't. I don't know of any accent that says that that's English based. You know, um, he says pa. I think does not sound like cat, bat, and rat. Pa, 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 cat. Ah, cat. I mean, it's it's as close as it could be. I think. Did I misunderstand? Thank you for taking the time to look over this. I will watch the videos again. Haha. <laughs> it seems I might have been saying the a wrong this whole time. I mean. Yeah, it's tough for me to say. Maybe I'm too much in my own head here. But I thought about that a lot. Um, because I remember actually whilst doing the live class, I got really, this is, you know, because we were working this pronunciation stuff out. It took us a long time to figure it all out. And we researched everything heavily. And we did a lot of hours, I mean, hundreds of hours of live classes uh, to correct and, and make sure that we had it right. And I remember being heavily embarrassed once because I said, oh, yeah, the A in Chinese is pronounced like father, like, you know, like ang and... And I found out eventually, and they were just like, no, it's not. <laughs> this beginner commented, he's like, what about pa? And then I had to research further, and I found there's actually three different A pronunciations in Chinese. And I, you know, because embarrassment can, you know, definitely be a good motivator to get things right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I ah, cat, pa, bat, da, 
it, it's the same to me. It's just that, that A is the same. If it is different, it's very slightly, and there's nothing closer in English anyway to compare it to. So um, you're only in unit one, so maybe continue on. And if it's still an issue, contact me and I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to walk you through it personally. Uh, I'll talk through it personally with you. Uh, Kathleen Gans on Special Final R quiz. Is there a PDF or audio for R? I couldn't find it. And the answer is no, because R, if you look at the opinion chart, it's a little lonely pronunciation just by itself. It doesn't combine with anything else. I mean, it does, but not. it doesn't combine with any other initials. It only combines with whole syllables. So it's not worth, it's just R. R just, uh, you know, it's not worth talking about, really. Um, so, yeah, we didn't bother with that one. The next comment here is from Joshua Petty for Unit 1 on pronunciation mastery again i've been studying chinese for a little, little over two years all self-taught i can read quite well but uh, when i try to branch it over into oral speaking my co-workers do not know what i am saying i look forward to this course and thank you for making it free it allows people like me to see how you guys teach before buying depending on how this course goes i'll probably purchase the other course even though I'm sure that I know all of the characters, just to patch up any holes in the sinking ship I've made for myself. Sounds similar to me, mate, um, in, in, when I was starting out with Chinese. And it, I would, it's probably a lot to do with pronunciation, but it's also probably to do with the way you're learning words as well. Because I had a similar issue. My pronunciation um, was always pretty much good from the start because I worked so hard on it in the beginning, but people still didn't understand me because I didn't read and listen appropriately. And that's what inspired both Phil and I to make this course the way it is to focus on listening and reading and get pronunciation done and out the way first um, so it's a combination of things but I'm sure if you've we've worked for a long time to make sure that it it solves that issue I'm sure if you uh, work your way through the course you'll discover people will stop giving you weird looks or even laughing when you're when you speak in Chinese at least that's why what my motivation was for making it uh, Garth Greskew uh, Gresky on nasal final en n and n and bun. Uh, Luke is the cross-cultural bridge builder extraordinaire. It gives me way better theories about the other than I could ever make up myself. Thanks, Garth. You've given us a few uh, quite inspirational uh, comments there. I really like it. Uh, yeah, throughout the pronunciation course, I, I tried to say as much as I could about uh, cultural tidbits. And we definitely plan on creating an entire course dedicated just to, you know, Chinese uh, cultural differences and negotiating in Chinese and China or um, not, not necessarily negotiating, that might be a separate course. Because um, in business, it's very important to understand because it's all connected, you know, understanding the cultural um, things that even a lot of Chinese people don't know, you know, that aren't in certain, certain, um, they don't work in certain fields and such, such stuff like that. But yeah, I really, I really want to get into that because I think that's another whole market in itself of people that not necessarily uh, want to learn the language because there's a lot of people that speak Chinese already but don't know how to interact with Chinese people in certain situations. And I was one of them, you know. And I'm still, I still got a lot to learn about that. Um, so yeah, we're definitely once once we've uh, figured out some things, there's a lot of stuff we're doing at the moment. And once we've started expanding the course and we've got that expansion out, I want to start working on some other video courses. And that will be definitely be one of the first on the list. Cultural understanding, definitely that. Um, okay, so John Hay, a legend that we uh, recently did a case study with, 
says, uh, hi guys, I've just learned, listened to podcast 22. I couldn't agree with you more on your decision to integrate the pronunciation mastery into Mandarin Blueprint course, the Mandarin Blueprint course. Quite right, don't sell yourselves too cheap. Many years ago, my boss and I decided to attend a quit smoking seminar, guaranteed success in quotation marks. I'm sure that everyone there that that evening did, at least for a while, stop smoking. The very fact that they had made the effort to turn up and more importantly, that they were prepared to pay the not so small fee, it was almost a guarantee of success in itself. My boss paid for me to go, so I went along, but was obviously not as committed and surprise, surprise, carried on smoking after a few days. The lesson learned, if you really want to do something, you have to be committed, skin in the game. Similarly, if you really want to learn Mandarin and are prepared to pay for it and put in the effort, you will. If I'd found a teach yourself Chinese for free course on the net, I might have looked at it out of interest, but I would still not be learning today. <clears throat> I would not be still learning today. It's a bit like going out for a meal. If someone invites you, you'll eat and say thank you. But having paid for it himself, the fat guy at all, the all-you-can-eat buffet will make damn sure he gets his money's worth. <clears throat> I recently looked at some other Chinese learning sites and was surprised at the prices of some of, that some of them charge. In comparison, you offer much more for much less. Hopefully one day... When you have really established yourself on the market, you can raise or restructure your prices. You're too modest, thank you. But don't hike up your fees until you're sure that all the spelling mistakes, Phil, uh, just just kidding, it's, it's, it's all of us, I'm sure. Uh, translation errors, misplaced text, etc., have been reviewed, including those on the Anki cards. What, what at least one site does have, which you don't, is a writing course, okay? You can't do everything at once, but it would be maybe worth considering, including a short course for the future. Now, I assume that, John, you're talking about calligraphy and more actually writing, in not, not necessarily writing like uh, prose or something like that. Uh, one in which the finer points, which an absolute beginner is unaware might miss. You explained well enough the general principles of writing in Chinese Characters 101. But for me, that's our ebook, by the way. Uh, for me, there was something missing, something more visual or tangible. Sure, while working through all the Anki cards, I'm asked to write a character and I do my best, but I've only recently realized what a disastrously, dis disastrously illegible scribbles I had produced. I recently concentrated a bit more on writing and have produced some sheets which I find to be of great help. I don't think that it's in anyone's interest to go back to primary school to repeatedly practice characters, but without wanting to interfere in your teaching methods, maybe sheets like those I've sent you, downloadable alongside each level of the course, might be useful for your pupils, just an idea. So I'll stop waffling now and get back to work. You too, keep up the good work, John Hay. So thanks a lot, John, and absolutely. Um, and you're right, we can't do everything, but we do need to do that. We do need to focus at least a bit and add, add that sort of aspect into it. So maybe um, some writing practice sheets at the very least, you know. But that's an, that's an example of what I'm talking about. You know, we first want to expand the course, um, get it up to at least, you know, 1,500 characters or tw at least 1,200 characters, double it. And and then we can maybe focus on other um, uh, video courses that are sort of attached to the main course. So thanks for that. That's a very informative. And I completely agree. You know, you need to have skin in the game. And that's, uh, you know, we're st the pronunciation mastery course is still going to be available until July 1st. We've actually extended it now to July 1st to make sure everyone has enough time and they're, they're, they're aware of it all um, before we make it a part of the Mandarin Blueprint method of paid subscription. 
Kate from email says, Ni hao, I'm enjoying working on the pronunciation units and will be subscribing as soon as I finish those. I wanted to let you know about a technical problem with Anki. Uh, well, we'll skip that bit. We actually figured that out anyway. Um, I look forward to subscribing soon. I have, I have to say that the analogies with music really resonate with me. That's Phil. He's a musician himself. I play flute and I believe that that has made it easier to learn pronunciation as I feel I'm just learning a new embouchure. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm not as cultured as you. Um, uh, the subtle variations in tone are easier to hear with my musical training. I actually became interested in learning Mandarin when I was taking several uh, Chinese scientists on a geology field trip in the US. The trip involved driving long distances across the American Southwest to get to various sites. I spent three weeks immersed in hearing them speak while I drove. They helped me learn some pronunciations and, and a few geology terms. I also spent months using Google Translate to translate Chinese geology journal articles. That sounds fun. The characters became very familiar and I started learning how they are often how they often are written so that it makes you think of the word differently. Ex absolutely. For example, rap plus drop equals ladle or woman and child or shao, I guess she, she means. Uh, woman and child equals good. That was seven years ago, and I've tried to learn things off and on, going through Pleco and making flashcards, etc., but haven't progressed at all. I now have a motivation to take your course, as I will be in Shanghai in seven weeks from now. I want to learn as much as possible before I leave. I found out about your course through an answer you posted on the Cora website. Again, that's Phil. Uh, you guys have really put a tremendous effort into learning how to teach Chinese. You have come up with a blueprint that feels very scientific, which is great. Sincerely, Kathleen. P.S. I think my cats have mastered all four tones plus some. I've never noticed before that they can use falling or rising tones. <laughs> the third tone, the first tone. They should be learning Cantonese. Very good. Now onto our final section of the podcast here. I just decided to call this miscellaneous. It's just general questions that aren't really related to anything on the Mandarin Blueprint. Uh, the, like the learning the characters themselves they're just general chinese questions or personal questions for us or just suggestions for the course um so i'd call it miscellaneous so let's 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 jump into it so the first comment here is from abigail she says it's a word on it's a word for me as in meter or uh, uh rice she says i thought 88 in chinese was bash and this is funny i must have i must have made this sentence or or it was just a coincidence because I'm at exactly my height is Emi Baba, one meter and eighty-eight, one hundred eighty-eight centimeters. And uh, she's like, she, you know, Abigail saying, "Wait, wait a minute, eighty-eight in Chinese is Ba Shi Ba. Why isn't it Emi Ba Shi Ba?" It's just how they say it. It's how they it's how they say, uh, I guess, decimal numbers or, um, yeah, decimal numbers. So they'll just you know, they won't say it. so Emi Baba or Emi Ti Ti would be my my uh fiance uh, so yeah that's just how they do it you know um that if you're saying the number 88 for some reason then you would say bashaba like just the number 88 or 88th or something like that so yeah that's how that works uh next one from william edmides on it's a word for g says uh does mean i will or i'll write down your number or I wrote down your number. Which tense is it? And the key to this is, of course, the l. So if I said I'm talking to someone, and I say, "Ah, oh, I'll, I'll, 
that means I'll write your number down, right? But if I said le, le always signifies a change or a completion. So that's why it's often in, it's not necessarily second uh, past tense, but it's very often used in the past tense, of course, because the past tense is usually where things have changed or finished. But not always. Um, it means I've, I have, or I wrote, I have written or I wrote down your number. So, yeah, that's how you know that one. Linnell Glover, cool name, on Shi Honesty. That's, uh, I believe, our story, one of our uh, stories that we have, full story. So she's doing fantastically. And, um, yeah, this is a great example of, so she's she's done incredibly well with the course, Linnell, and she's trans she's sort of done really well at translating this sentence that you can see in the show notes here. But she just hasn't managed to grasp the full meaning, and that's fine. That's going to happen occasionally. So let's have a look at it. And it's, to be to be honest with you, I wouldn't say this to our writer's face, but it's not actually the best written sentence. I mean, it's um, but she only has, and it is of course it's grammat grammatically accurate. Of course, she's a professional teacher. But it's it's um, from an actual writer's perspective. If a writer was looking at it, they'd think, "Oh, well, this sentence is kind of superfluous. It's doyu that it doesn't need to necessarily be in there." But it's just a way of adding more content. So let me just show you what I mean. So we've got uh, So all three brothers know. So no matter how much money, it's uh, no matter no amount of money can compare to their father's company. So this is one of those things, this is a single sentence. In the context of the whole story, it's about a father dying and he's got three sons and he's they're, they're trying to uh, decide who gets what. And he says he'll give the company to whoever takes care of a seed the best in the next three weeks. It's like, I think, I believe it's an old sort of Chinese story. Anyway, uh, so that's the sentence. And she's actually translated it rather well. She said, she's done, all three brothers know there's no amount of money that can compare with their dad's company because the money will quickly be used up, but provided that there will be a company, there will be money. She's like, what does that mean? So because what she's done is, is translated it directly and said, oh, well, that doesn't make much sense. But if you think about the whole context, they're basically saying this company is much better than a lump sum of money. Right, so because the money they might be dumb and use it up, and the, but the company will keep making money. Of course, it's a very simplistic way of looking because obviously if they run the company badly, then it's still going to run out eventually, isn't it? But it's it's a story. All right, so they're basically like, oh, this, the the sentence is trying to accentuate how important the company is. You know how what a, a very big deal that is to get the company as opposed to a bit of money. So. That's it, yeah, and this is a common thing. It, and I think partly it's to do with, like I say, the sentence is a bit superfluous, it doesn't have to be in there, it's just a way of any sort of adding more content for you. But um, also there's a couple of structures here that Linnell has maybe not seen before. So one of the key things is, as she mentions at the bottom here, my translation doesn't make sense. Could anyone give me a better translation? I think my problem is not quite understanding the meaning of 再多也 uh, yeah, because so, so 再多, so the actual sentence is 钱再多也比不上爸爸的公司 So no matter how much money, so this 再多 again a lot 
So I can I can imagine you'd be like, well, if you're trying to literally translate it, it doesn't make any sense. But zai duo means like even more, even more. So keep giving me more money doesn't matter. It's still not it's still not comparatively better than having a company that sort of makes money by itself. So like even if you give me a million dollars, the company's better because it's can it can keep churning out money for the rest of my life, but the million dollars could be used up. So this zai something something yeah, it's they're used together a lot. It's a very interesting uh structure. Um, so it's often used in um, the the frame of never again. So it's often used zai yeah bu zai yeah bu. So I'll never again do something. So uh, this is a really common one that I hear from a lot and from myself back in the day, my partying days, I guess, would be, 我再也不，我再也不喝酒了，我再也不喝酒了，I will never drink again. So it's again, door, yeah, yeah. So again, this is an example, by the way, Linnell, of you, more, more input, more input. If you see, if you see die and yeah, you see that structure several more times in several different contexts. This, this sentence will not bother you whatsoever. You'll, you'll get it almost straight away, you know. But um, you've done really well to translate that all, um, and you just, you just sort of just on the edge of getting it. And I'm sure you've got it by now. So, well done. Um, sorry, that was a bit long-winded, wasn't it, guys? But I just I love getting into this stuff. So, J. A. Anderson, I guess, on new vocabulary unlocked. Zheng zai. So, any tips on when to use zai versus zheng zai? They're the same, basically. Um, zai is to meaning continuous tense, but zheng zai is like to. The only difference really <coughs> is that you're uh, exaggerating what you're doing. So someone's like, oh, can you get the door? I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of dinner. You know, or whatever. Um, so that's, that's the only difference. Yeah, like, yeah. So he says, like, what's the difference? Versus is like, one's like, I am reading. And one's like, I'm reading. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Lee and Wilkinson on new vocabulary unlocked. 几个? Is there any way to differentiate between the two usage usages of jiga, as in uh, how many and a few? Like the, the answer in the question. Um, for example, if someone said the following, How do we know whether they're asking how many months we've been in China, asking the question, or just stating that we've been in China for a few months? Do we just have to work it out through context? And the answer is yes. Chinese is very contextual. I guess it's more contextual than English, but... Um, uh yeah you definitely understand that in context if you think about it right <laughs> but when would someone you would definitely understand if you just met someone and they say oh you know um uh well put it this way right first of all if they were making a suggestion or like a guess they would add ba on the end ba both are fine actually um yeah, they would have a bah to, to be basically be like, oh, right? You know, sort of adding that on the end. But even if it wasn't, you know, yeah, you get these sort of things with context. Again, it's just similar to Linnell's. It's like more input, more more speaking practice, reading, listening, you will get these things. They, they seem like crazy. Like how would people know the difference? But it's so obvious after you have had a bit more mass exposure.
a bit more practice. But yeah, well done. Uh, William Edmides on new vocabulary unlocked Jibai. Oh, okay. So is the reason Ji is swapped for Shi Ji and Jibai is because Ji is like a placeholder of sorts for any number between roughly one and nine. And I, I, I guess the answer is yes, but I'd never thought about it that way. So thanks for that, um, William. Yeah, it's just think of Ji as a number between one or nine, I guess. Shi Ji. Mm. <clears throat> Uh, Ija from email. Hi, just wondering if anyone's having the same issue as me. Sometimes I do skip a few characters that I already know by heart, like sin, pun intended, heart, and I had to click on the white mark as complete button. I think the button itself is quite counterintuitive because the giant green buttons means click here. So sometimes I click on the complete green buttons after watching videos by instinct to mark completion, but it went back to mark as complete. Maybe better UI would be a green markers complete button and another completed white, gr blue, gray button as a result. Um, but then it may confuse the heck out of existing users. I think we can actually easily um, make that change to the course. It doesn't. It takes a few clicks. Um, I will put a reminder to look into it. Because, yeah, you're right. Green is sort of like click here and then people have already completed a lesson. And, yeah, absolutely. I'll look into that. Uh, Ija and we'll, I'll let, update you next week. Jordan from email. Hey Luke, because uh, this is uh, Phil and I sometimes just send out email blasts to people who are you know downloaded something. Say hey, what's your biggest barrier to learning Chinese? You know, and just see what they say, and just to connect with people a little bit more. And Jordan says my biggest barrier is probably real speed listening, like native speed listening. I'm in China right now, Chengdu. Brilliant. And any interaction with the local tends to be dead end. Well, that's not really a fair comparison. You're in Chengdu, like Sichuanhua. Come on. I mean, we even have trouble with it uh, on a daily basis. So almost by default, it just my, my brain almost by default just shuts down. I can pick out a few words, but little meaning unless it's super basic. Nevertheless, I'm still powering through the flashcards. Thanks again for reaching out. Again, Jordan, this is all listening. So again, as long as you're you're comparing it to you're you're in the context of actual people speaking Mandarin, um, not um, speaking the local dialect, because that's that's a whole different ball game. But if they're speaking Mandarin, you're having trouble, which is still really common. The only thing you can do is listen more, find a podcast you like, um, listen to our materials over and over again. Uh, depending on what level you are, you know, listen to individual sentences, listen to our stories, listen to actual Chinese podcasts, radio shows, even if you don't understand, you know, more than half of it, just, just stick it on in the background, stick it on whilst you're traveling, um, wherever you, and whenever you can. And it's a gradual process, it's, you know, it's, listening takes the longest to improve on, but it's also the easiest to improve on, because it's just a matter of sticking something in your ear, and uh, just putting it on. And if you enjoy that content, and you understand most of it, that's better. But uh, it doesn't always have to be that way. But that will improve over time as long as you consistently do that every day. It doesn't have to be a strain or a you know, strenuous thing. Just put your, yeah, just fill this with loads of stuff. You know, fill your smartphone with loads of things um, and get on it. Chad again from email. Oh, hey guys, hope all is going well. Loving the new, the new stuff and I signed up for the affiliate program too. As anyone listening to this should as well, we've got 30% uh, you get 30% of any sale that you make using your individual affiliate link. And it's really easy to sign up. 
just go through the um, work with us section on, on the main header of our website and you'll find it. I was wondering about getting all the sentences in a PDF format. I did find an Anki add-on that allowed me to export the flashcards themselves, but it was a complete mess. I actually printed out the sentences for levels 13 to 15 and it was like 355 pages. I couldn't print them in a list in like a list form. It printed out all the flashcards, LOL. I'm way behind on my sentences because I'm old fashioned and I found I don't like reading them on my phone. I like that hard copy where I can write and make notes and then just add the cards to Anki a few times, uh, a few at a time for quick reviews. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, wow, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll talk to Phil about that. I'm not actually sure about the level of, like what sort of level of labor, because as you can imagine, we've already got a, a, a million things on at the moment and we're trying to do all these all these things and I don't know if, and, and plus I think we want to try and keep it as sort of closed within our within our control as possible, not, not give everything out in PDF form. But I'll, I'll talk to Phil about it. And one last comment here from Daniel Leo Simpson on, uh, oh, it, was, it was my video on um, from failure to HSK six in one year. So inspiring. Thank you. And congratulations. Thanks. Um, yeah, so if anyone wants to, um, Phil and I made a three, like about one hour of content and it's some of our best content. I really like it. And it, it I, I personally go into real painful detail about my failures with Chinese and, um, and then my successes later on and just really go into detail about my story. So if you're interested, it was originally a, a webinar that we used to run like a, a recorded webinar, but we've now changed it into an, an a, a online course so you can actually access it from our video courses section on our website it's called rapid acquisition uh, free rapid uh, rapid acquisition uh, video course or something like that crash course that's it so go and sign up for it and it's it's obviously free and it's just everything's cut up into nice little videos for you to, to check out all right guys uh, that's about it for today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I know it was a long one today. We had loads of great content though, uh, and please keep it up. Anyone want to add any uh, content? We've also got uh, our community, so you can come and sign up and add something to the community feed, the Mandarin Blueprint community. Uh, give your personal story or anything you like really on there and continue to comment on the course itself, both courses. Um, and yeah, if you've got anything personal you want to ask or comment about the course to Phil and I, then just contact at mandarinblueprint.com if you want like a really quick answer. And if you want something specifically about the podcast, then just podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. So thanks very much, guys, and we'll see you next week.